Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1067. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope you're finding constructive ways to, to occupy your time. We, get, we have had a puppy for the past two months, and he's been an amazing distraction. And at already four and a half months old, he's almost 60 pounds. <laughs> he's going to be a beast. Uh, I think he might get as big as 130. Um, he's an otter hound. So if you don't know what that is, look it up. They're really amazing looking dogs. They're sort of like a cross. They sort of look like a cross between an Irish wolfhound and a sheepdog. But uh, his name is Zoltar, and he's been amazing. And Lydia and I are both posting pictures of him, as as pet owners do uh, on our Instagrams. She's just Lydia Hurst, and I'm Hardwick at Hardwick. So I don't know if you want to see puppy stuff. We're posting a lot of puppy stuff. I think we're becoming those people who bore people with our, oh, hey, do you want to see pictures of our puppy? So uh, I don't know. If you don't want to see pictures of our puppy, then don't follow us. But if you do, we are posting stuff <laughs> on there. So enjoy the puppy journey. Um, all right. Events at ID10T.com is how we are putting out stuff that you, the ID10T community, are sending in. Like Alex, who writes, my new thing is called Sherlock in Your Homes. You can go to Sherlock in Your Homes, H-O-M-E-S, not Holmes, but Sherlock in Your Homes, because this is like a Sherlock in Your Home. Uh, but Alex says this is a clue-solving game where you can solve a murder mystery entirely from your home. So here's the setup. Earlier today, Nicole was murdered. Your team, one to four people, are detectives assigned to the case. You have background information on ten suspects, each with a different motive to kill Nicole. You'll investigate ten rooms in her house. Your file includes crime scene pictures and detective notes for each room. Use them together to solve tricky clues and puzzles. Solve all ten rooms correctly, and you'll reveal who the murderer is. You'll also determine the murder weapon, which is still in the house somewhere. Play with friends and family, or go it alone. SherlockInYourHomes.com Oh my gosh, Alex, I think Lydia and I will have to check that out because we've been wanting to do some sort of like a fun murder mystery type of a thing. And this might just be the thing. Well done. Events at ID10T.com is how you get your thing out there. Uh, this episode is my friend Coleman Domingo, who plays Victor Strand on Fear the Walking Dead. He has been in a lot of amazing movies, like Selma, for instance. He is also, uh, he is a Broadway legend and he has written and directed many things. He just had uh, a play that was running in Los Angeles last year called Lights Out. Uh, it's a story about Nat King Cole. And Coleman is someone that uh, I became friends with um, maybe four years ago and... He's become like part of our family. <laughs> We've all been on vacations together. We've spent a lot of time together and uh, I just adore him. Coleman is so inspirational to me as someone who has, he, he is a talented performer, but he is also an incredibly talented creator. And to watch, some, to watch him with such focus and intent 
create the amazing things that happen around him is, I mean, he is just someone that I, I hope to emulate on my best days. And I really, um, I really admire him a lot and I love him to death. And so this was a nice catch up. We actually hadn't really gotten to catch up since the quarantine. So this was really a wonderful catch up. Um, Coleman is doing a show on uh, YouTube now on the Walking Dead's YouTube channel. Uh, every Sunday, it's at uh, it posts at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. It's called Bottomless Brunch at Coleman's. And he basically, it's sort of like a video conference brunch. So he has a couple people come over, um, or like come over via the internet. And then it's just like a, you know, 15 to 20 minute chat, just a hangout. This episode that just went up is Mo Collins, who's uh, on Fear the Walking Dead, and also Niecy Nash uh, joined as well. And so check it out. It's great. And he is great. And uh, I love all things Coleman Domingo. This is the ID10T podcast number 1067. Let's roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. God damn it. I miss you. I miss you too, buddy. I was thinking about you. I've been thinking about you and Lid, hoping you guys are well. I miss I miss you and your wonderful husband. Oh, thank you so much. He's doing good. He went to go do some Pilates in the other room. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, staying, like, staying fit. I'm, I, you know, I feel lucky because I have a little home gym and i have a trainer that usually comes over we've been doing facetime sessions i didn't realize how many things i would be able to accomplish via video conferencing <laughs> i had no fucking idea i really thought that like well you know for the first month i kind of like did i don't know about you i did nothing for like for a month i didn't i really did nothing people were like yeah. no call me you must be writing something whatever no actually I've, I've actually gone the opposite way i totally went to just i don't know just being and being in the moment and figuring out what it was. And I started cooking and gardening. And wait a minute. You see what you have there? That huge. Look at this. Okay, wait, wait. There was that crocodile. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta show you this. Okay. Oh, you have one too. Look at that. I got one in two. Yeah, I got this this like vintage alligator head back there. And, and you have a tiny little one there as well. I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm starting to think now, I don't even know where it's from. Like, I don't even know why I have this. <laughs> I just, I just know I do, but I don't know what the significance of it is. Why it's here? Like you know, when you when you start to, if you're lucky enough to start living a long time, what happens is things you just accumulate things, and things just appear. People give you things, people send you things. You grab something at a knickknack shop, and then before you know it, you're like, I have all this stuff that I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Where it came I, from. I, I'm starting from. to think that I got it from like New Orleans. It, it seems like that would be a right place to get something like this from. Maybe like, it's enchanted. Maybe it's maybe it is enchanted. It but could I just be a, a little enchanted alligator head. Well, it's funny because I have it in the, in the little storage area where the other nice knickknacks and memorabilia. And 
I, apparently it has some special meaning. I just, right now, it's just like, I, I just <laughs> <laughs> well, his mouth is open. So he's going, huh? Staying inside a lot, huh? 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 You're huh? eating. Your mouth is like this all the time. I'm going to have it just stare at me and grimace at me while we do this uh, podcast. That's what I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to not do anything for a month because you're one of those turbo creators that is simultaneously writing, directing, and acting, and producing seemingly at all times simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, I, actually, to be honest, Chris, I realized that I've been doing that for a long time, and I realized that it just needed to take a pause. I think that's what I, and I, honestly, Chris, I think that's exactly what I think. I think you, you'll agree to this, too. I feel like most people are starting to understand. I think that, I think, honestly, and I'm just going to be very honest with myself, I think that level of the way I was moving and creating and all, I don't think actually that was sustainable. I thought it was. I thought that was just what I did. That's what I, my whole adult life, that's what I did. But actually realizing, you know, I'm like, I bought this house a year and a half ago. I was in it for maybe a total of 30 days. It's like all the things that I think I'd like to get to, I have tons of books and art books that I never, I'm never able to read. And I wasn't able to fill up, fill things up. I was just constantly producing and, reading only things that had to do with things that I was doing. And now I just, I just the other day, Raul caught me, um, I was on the floor of the, like of the hallway before the, uh, before you go outside. And I just decided to, st- I grabbed uh, this Studio 54 art book that I've been wanting to really look at. I just grabbed it and I sat on the floor and I started reading it. And I just realized I was there for maybe like a half hour. And I was like, oh, I never had that time before. I always had to, oh, I have this much of enough time, and then I go do this. But I'm like, I have time to just drift by a book and read it. Well, yeah, and as a creative, <laughs> as a creative entity, you need to feed, you need to, you need to stoke the creative fires with something rather than just mining, 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 mining. Like sooner or later, right. you're right, it isn't sustainable. You need some sort of a, you do need balance. And I think, you know, out of this horrible situation, I think a, a lot of us, a lot of us overworkers are going, you know, maybe we don't yeah. need, to, maybe that is not the healthiest way to yeah. stretch our soul and our mind and our creative being, you know, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. Right. I mean, I mean, talk, I mean, talk, I mean, I'm talking to another guy who's very much similar in that way. Am I right? So have you felt that you needed to take that pause as well? Like this pause has been really I, I, I've so enjoyed that part of it and also not feeling any pressure to like, I, I do enjoy the I do enjoy the space to breathe, you know, yeah. where it's not like, oh my God, if I'm not, you know, I don't exist if I'm not making and create. I mean, like I I kind of try to make a little thing a day just for fun, but not yeah. for any reason. No, just it's like you're creating like you're a kid again. You're like I'm just creating this thing because I want to create it. Or yeah, I'll do it. Exactly. Or I'll put it down, pick it up, but you don't feel like you have to do the, these things right now. It's funny because in week two of the pandemic. I got the, uh, I got the strange, this email, when I tell you I, I wanted to flip a table, and I know she didn't intend it that way, but she was uh, someone who I had a deadline for. The deadline for this thing I was writing was in the middle of this time. And she led with, by saying, you know, oh, hope everything's well and you're healthy. Just wondering how, how are you doing with that deadline? I was like, <laughs> deadline? It's a pandemic! <laughs> there aren't deadlines anymore. 
I was like, there's no deadline. There's no deadline. What, what, what world are you living in? You don't know. You don't know if I'm hooked up to an ICU in an ICU or something. I said, you have no idea. You have to. I'm like, no. But I think, honestly, I know that there have been some people who've been going as if like, oh, no, I'm going to keep going because that's the way I stay sane. I'm going to keep on doing everything that I'm doing because everything is normal. You're like, well, no, that, it's not And if normal. that's what people need to do to feel okay, then I'm all for it. I, I, I've been taking this time to... Not, I mean, the things that I've been doing, I've been doing just for enjoyment, which is, you know, I take a piano lesson via FaceTime every week. I take a guitar lesson via FaceTime once every week or two. You know, like I've been, Lydia and I have been playing this video game called Animal Crossing together and we've been (laughs) playing with the dog and I just haven't felt that, that foot that's stepping on my chest like, oh, I need to. If I don't, if I'm not, I got to make something. Oh, I got to get this out. I got to, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's been, that's been really nice. I watched, uh, I watched the um, Kenny Rogers biography last night, the A&E biography. Oh yeah. How and it? it's fucking great because he, you, I mean, like, you know, Kenny Rogers is this legendary, you know, singer, but, yeah. but when you start, you're like, Oh my God, that's right. He did that song and then that duet and then this Mm. and then that. And so he uh, toured when he was in full throttle, he was touring like he was doing like 250 shows a year because he sort of felt there's a clip of him on the tonight show saying to Carson, like, yeah, well, you know, it's just like, it's about keeping busy and you know, like you, you, when the opportunities are there, you don't know when they're going to dry up. So you take them and he grew up very poor And so yeah. for him, it was like, well, you got to do all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. That, and, and I think that's, for a moment, I felt like, I think that's why I've been doing, going at the same speed, like Kenny Rogers. I feel like I was like, I was constantly taking this. I'm like, you never know when this is going to end. So you got to keep taking these experiences and running and hopping on planes. At some point, I was on a plane like six times in one week. And I was like, all right, this has got to, you got to chill. You know what I mean? I feel like, I, I think, the, but also I do think it is a thing of coming from like, you know, I come from very, a very humble uh, background, very working class parents. And, you know, everything that I had to do was because I know I did it. Like no one's giving me anything, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you do feel like, well, I'm generating because I have to generate because I'm the, only, I'm the one responsible for all of this. Oh, so, wow. but now, oh, yeah, of course. That pressure, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, now you, but then at some point you're like, I could chill. You know, I've been working hard enough. I can save a little bit. I can, I can breathe. I can... You know, but to give yourself that permission. But now I feel like the universe has said to everyone. And I think that's actually, I've been thinking about it a lot, Chris, man. I've been thinking about like the, like how we're going to be after this. And I hope, I just hope that like all the things that I think that we're finding more important now, like, like how we take care of ourselves, how we take care of ourselves for each other. The idea of wearing a mask is so you don't get someone else sick. Right. Just, just that already. Because, you know, as Americans, we're just like, me, me, me. Oh, I don't want to get sick. No, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about making sure you take care of somebody else. You know? Well, yeah. So I think it's such a practice that we'll all have to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Los Angeles is especially me, 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 because, you know, we live near a park. And so we'll, uh, you know, like, we, we walk our dog. We have a dog now. And so we walk him. But, you know, like, we put on the masks. You know, we, we, so we way distance. If there's someone kind of up ahead, we'll slow down. We don't get near anyone, but we can see in the park, there are just large groups of people not wearing any masks. Now, listen, I get, you know, like I get there are people who say like, well, you know, it's virus doesn't really stop anything. And my point of view is like, 
listen, they said to wear a mask, so I'm going to fucking wear a mask. And if it cuts down, you know, like if it, if, if, if it shaves off any possibility of anything, any small percentage, I'm going to do it. But I just feel like in LA, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't, they don't mean me. I mean, they mean everyone else, but not <laughs> me. Yeah. Certainly not me. I'm me. And you really see that. There's like, Hey, you know, just you could just put a bandana. Or, I mean, just you know, since most people are, why, why not? Why not just do it? Well, well, the whole idea that our vice president went in an actual like ward the other day, and like you know, uh, you know, and everyone else is wearing masks, and he did not. He chose to not wear a mask. I thought, no, as a leader, you have to. You have to leave. If you, you, you said <laughs> I mean, I mean, but that's that. I don't want to get into all that because then it's a whole other can of worms. It's a whole other thing, but 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 just the idea that like, listen, even if it's just a symbolic gesture of like, that's it. Even if you hey, don't fucking believe, we're we're all in this together, then 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 do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, even yeah. if you don't believe that it stops anything or that it's going to make any difference, at least as a symbolic gesture, it's like, hey, this is the sign that we're all a community and. You know, we're all <laughs> we're we're all in this together. But doesn't that doesn't that challenge? I think I think that the problem with that, I, and I, cause I you know I understand. I'm like that's where I live, but I feel like just the American sensibility is is such about the individual. And I think what we're being challenged is, is to think about the group. And right. every and people are so feel. I don't know what people feel like they're going to give up by being a part of the group. It's like no, it's we're not. It's not group thinking. It's just like let's just try to protect each other a little bit. That's it. That's all right. we're asking. that's it well america of all the countries america is the i want to talk to the manager culture you know what i mean like we're the i remember like in the maybe in the 70s you know it 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 really started i think coming out of world war ii there was a strong sense of community for a while and then the 60s everything you know like everything splintered and there were all these amazing changes going on and then the vietnam war like you know, sort of wore America down as a culture. But then in the 70s, Burger King came out with this, I'm sure you remember these these ads that were like, have it your way. Like any way you want this burger, we'll make it for you. Yeah. Have it your way at Burger King. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that really began the kind of, that that bit of um, systemic narcissism that we have in our <laughs> you're blaming it on Burger King, so you're blaming it all on Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> I think Burger King was just responding to a trend, but it was that idea of like, oh, I'm always, I'm the customer's always right. I'm a person. I'm all, I, I however I want it, and that was, you know, um, I, I, I think it was. And that's the attitude, but also that let's not to like dog Americans because I'm, I'm as American. No, as of course not. But but but. But I do feel like that's the attitude that we do have. And it's always off-putting, like, when you're in Europe and you see a group of Americans just be like, you know, me, 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 my way. I was like, oh, just chill. Have it their way. No, they don't have fucking ketchup. So then, so don't have, complain if they don't have fucking ketchup. Yeah, no, of course. And, and you know, I say this as a we, not as a, you know, I, I really, I do love this country and I love being a part of it. And I love how, I love just how different every part of America can be. And, you know, if you've ever traveled across America, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, and so it, uh, but it's just sort of that, it's sort of that playful, like, ah, we do tend to focus on ourselves a little bit here. And especially yeah. in this town and in this business and kind of going back to before about the uh, never stopping, never stopping. Kenny Rogers mom said something to him that was so, um, impactful, which was she was a very hardworking woman, mm-hmm. and uh, and she said to him like something like, uh, 
be happy with where be happy with where you are, but don't be content to stay where you are. Like, yeah. In other words, be happy where you are, but always see what's what's next. Like, always see what else you could be doing, or or strive to be better, or strive. And you know, I think we do reward and sort of romanticize the this idea of like working yourself to death has some sort of a valor in it or something. And, and I think we don't focus enough on balance and we don't focus enough on the life stuff or we don't, it's not that we don't focus on it. We just don't, it's, it's not as, um, it's not as rewarded. It's not as rewarded. Like, you know, like it's, I think individually we can say to each other, like, Oh man, it's really great that you took time to meditate or that you really, you took a couple days off. But as a culture, I think we're like, why, you know, you're only cool you, if you're working seven days a week. Otherwise, you don't have value. It's true. It's so, dude, it's so true. Because I feel like it's funny. Because I remember when I was uh, in London doing a show, and it was half American cast, half uh, uh, Brits. And I was always so annoyed at the Brits and their way of working because they always took too long of a tea break. They would finish work. Like, so if they finished rehearsal at five, that was it. They closed their scripts. They didn't. They didn't go home and learn their lines and shit like that and do all the shit that Americans do that we were doing in rehearsal. And I go home and I do some more work. I have some more food. Do some more work. Wake up in the morning. Learn these lines. Learn that scene. Look over those. And they would come in just like refreshed. They went to the pub that night. Had a nice meal. You know. And then they would come in like, "Oh, I'm ready for rehearsal again." And then <laughs> break it another half hour. You're like, "What the fuck?" And I remember I was so frustrated because I'm like, "We work all the time. We work, work, work. You know. But now I get it. I think it's okay to have a little tea break now. Well, it is. And and because it, if you're not fresh, if you're not revitalized, then you're not going to be as good to anyone if you're burned out and there's, True. there's, there's no space, you know, like in your mind and in your, in your soul. And I, I agrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just, it, it really, I think that idea of it, it, giving things some space, I mean, you can, uh, I've said this before, but we focus so much on, in, we focus so much in our culture about how to get successful, how to get what you want, but we don't, but then we're done teaching people anything. Like there, there aren't a lot of books about how to maintain, how to maintain success or how to maintain a life happy with what you have. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just all in the acquisition being, having, you know, the value rather than the, the maintenance part, which is, day to day is, is an unsexy process and it's, you know, maintenance yeah. is work and yeah. it, it requires, you have to tend to things, you know, but we yeah. just want, we just want to harvest the crops, you know, as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I've been on the phone a lot with, um, I've been doing a lot of teaching and I, I, I've been, but, but also like almost like I'm talking to a lot of universities, like one in Mexico city. I had students at Juilliard. I'm actually, Oh, I'm actually getting my doctorate, which is wonderful. So I'm doing Holy something. Shit. To do. I'm getting Talk about an, overachieving. I'm, and by oh, the way, yeah. I am uh, getting a well, doctorate well, as well. Home, I'm getting my honorary doctorate this year from Ursinus College in, in Pennsylvania. But I was talking to their students, and I, I would I delivered my uh, baccalaureate speech actually yesterday morning uh, via um, tape, and so and I sent it off. And I know that the one thing that I always I'm trying to I'm. I'm trying to talk about with students right now because they feel so lost. These young kids, they're like, because it, it must be really scary. You're sitting there, you're the class of 2020, and you're like, 
where am I going? What's going to happen? I don't even know what this is. I've been given a huge pause when I'm supposed to go out and feel hopeful about the job market, about being an actor, about being in finance, whatever. And you feel like you don't understand what's happening. And you were taught for four years or eight years or whatever, that this stuff is going to matter. And then suddenly you're like, I have to stop and take stock. And I've actually been trying to, you know, invite them into just being in the, this moment and being in their frustration, being in their confusion, finding other things to nurture. Because I'm like, yeah, I know mean, you're, you're taught to do this and produce and produce and produce, but nobody told them how to live a life. Right. And so now they're like, that, that, that's it. So I'm like, now's the time. Now's the time to figure out all that other stuff and let your mind drift and read this article or, you know what I mean? Or to go for a while. I mean, you'll find things, I said, you'll find some other things that are going to be useful because you got to find things. Like I, like I told you, I found, I've never thought that I'd be a gardener. I've been in the garden every day because suddenly I felt like I, and I think psychologically I had something to do. I had something to do with my hands and I needed to do something. So I'm always at the Home Depot, mask on, get, buying new things. I'm always stocking the car with new, <laughs> new things. I'm like, I don't want the landscape, you know, the gardener to come and do it. I'm like, I want to do this. So, and it's been feeling good to have some soil in my hands and be out there barefoot and I'm a mess and I'm wet and, and things like that. And, but it feels so good to actually feel like I can do this, focus on this, and I can actually watch it grow. I can actually tend to something. I can actually love something. I can actually like this, this, it does something. I realize it's filling up I, as I'm speaking to you now, it's, it's fueling my soul right now in a way that I feel like, Maybe it's because I, think, I know that so many things are out of our control. Like all the, my whole schedule for the rest of the year, films, TV, all that stuff. I don't know. It's a whole, I don't know. But this, I know. This, yeah, I can actually it's, And it's very linear, too. You, you, there's a very predictable series of steps. And if you do them and you put in the work, then you will get the reward. Rather yes. than, the, you know, in the creative arts, <laughs> it's a very amorphous, like we have to, and oftentimes we pick, the wrong things to signify whether or not we're on the right track and a lot of ego things, you know, Oh, I got this trailer, but that person got that shit like that. Cause it's just not linear and we need, you know, it's hard to understand, but, um, but what you're saying is very much like I get this soil. I put this thing in here. These are the results. And I have a thing like our business to hug a ghost. Because yes. you can't you can't hold anything in your hands. It's not tactile, you know. Like there's right. nothing. It's just all emotion. I think that's why everybody's baking right now. Everyone's baking and cooking and slow cooking. And it's like all this stuff that like they were doing in the fifties and sixties, and we all forgot about because everything's so quick and easy. And I, but I feel like everyone's been like you go. You know, of course, there's now finally some flour at our neighborhood Ralph's. But like everyone is, there was no yeast for the first month. There was, a, everyone's like baking their stuff and taking the time. And I know people gripe, they gripe their first, like, oh my God, there's not going to be a lot of bread and stuff like that, whatever, or eggs. It, you always have to go in there after the elderly and get your eggs and get your eggs around 7.30 or they're not there. Yeah, but, but, but I'm like, this is what they were doing, you know, you know, before the war, before World War II and stuff like that, like lining up to go get certain things and having that patience. I almost actually enjoy, strangely enough, I enjoy the idea of a line outside of Trader Joe's, a nice orderly line and you go in and then when you finally get in there, people aren't elbowing you and going on top of you to get their, their kale. You're, you're like, everything, it has a bit more, um, I don't know, grace to it. Well, everyone's forced to be mindful. To, That's exactly it. To be, they're forced to be mindful and be in the moment. And the idea of mindfulness of being in the moment and sitting in, you know, like 
because we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. So we are being forced to live in the present yeah. when we are very much conditioned to live in the past and the future, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And yeah. even the idea that, um, you know, we go, 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 go. And if we're not stopping to check in with ourselves, we could be going in directions that we don't even want anymore, but we're not stopping to ask those questions, you know, like you may not, you grow. And then if you don't stop to go, wait, do I still value this thing the same that I've been pursuing or do (laughs) I want to do something else? Or is this mean the same? It's like, and I think that's why people can get so unhappy because somewhere along the way they lost, like something changed, they evolved, something changed, something fell out. But then they kept doing it and they're like, why am I empty now? Well, you didn't even, <laughs> you don't even yeah. care about that thing anymore. You got to check in with yourself every so often. Yeah. I, I feel like it, you, you're bringing up something that I feel like I've been on the phone a lot with friends on, like I have a couple of friends in New York who have, they, they haven't been happy in New York for years. But suddenly with this pandemic, they realize it's not, it's just not the place for them. Although they, they feel very happy that they're there to be there in that moment and send love to, you know, healthcare workers and things like that. But they're also realizing that whatever, the, it wasn't working for them before. And now it's an opportunity to shift, you know, to, to make a shift in someone. That's why I think it's a grand opportunity for everyone. Yeah, there is an there is an opportunity in the in the madness. There is an opportunity if you want there to be to find out what you what is interesting to you. Really sit with yourself and search the farthest recesses of your emotional stomach to sort of see like what where am I being drawn? What's interesting? Yeah, like you know, if you you know, of course, we we say this as people without kids who don't have to you know, like some, some people are stuck in chaotic, <laughs> like they left their yeah. work environment to come home to very chaotic <laughs> environments or some sort of trapped together. We have the luxury of sort of having a bit of space, but whenever yeah. it's possible, I do think it's, it's, it, they're, they're good questions to, to sit with and ask. And then if we're going to, if, if, I mean, this is happening either way, whether or not we like it doesn't matter. It sucks, but what can we do with the time? What can we what can we become on the other side of it? Can we take something and 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 get better in some way so that at least, you know, we feel like we're doing something with, you know, like we're wrapping up the turd in a bow at least. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I agree. You know, it's funny because I've had a few moments um, during the sport team where I thought what would be cool is if we were with our friends somewhere, me and you, Chris, and we we're somewhere because I love when we have our getaways at times. Yeah. Like I, because I've been desirous of having like a farm right now. Out of everything, I just thought like, you know, farms are a great fucking idea. A little farm, sustainable. Everyone works on it. We have meals together. You have your community. You know, you, you you're building things together. Something about that, and it feels so good. And I was like, so it made me think of the times when we go away, you know, and just have some good time together. But like, you want you you want community because I realize all the things that I think that like I've always been a city boy. I, I've lived in major cities, and but now I live in the suburbs. And I actually like, I almost feel like as I've taken this quiet time, I realize how much I really value. Is that your phone that's ringing? Is that your no. Skype? Mm-mm. It's not mine either. It sounds like a piano. It's a, it's, it's like a Skype call. Huh. Sorry, me. I didn't mean to interrupt. Someone no, has to I think everything you were saying was so great. I don't want to cut any of it out. So people are just going so with the fact that someone was trying to call in somewhere via, via Skype. Totally fine. What I'm saying is I feel like 
as I've been taking this pause, I realized how much I really value. And maybe it's because I'm 50 as well, or I'm turning to an old man, but I'm like, I like the things that I realized that my dad and mom really value, like looking at hummingbirds or in like getting like the idea of like getting a hummingbird feeder. I, I never understood that before. I'm like, Oh, so you're just going to get a feeder and just watch hummingbirds. Mm, that's weird. Now I'm like, yeah, hummingbirds are cool. I just want to well, sit and watch that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we come from nature. And so when we connect with nature or when we feel like we're contributing to nature, whether it's gardening or feeding hummingbirds, Lydia got these owl boxes because she, what? like, we got these boxes to build so that owls will nest. And because we have owls in the, um, you know, in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. We saw an owl snatch a bat out of the air once. It was fucking insane. We were out, we were out back, and there was a, we, you know, like some around sunset where we live. Like you'll see some a little bats here and there, and way off in the distance, saw this massive bird. Like, and it was just twilight time, and I go, I think that's an owl, and it fucking just snatched a bat, <laughs> snatch a bat out of the air. It's like, oh my god, predator on predator action. But uh, but but connecting to nature in that way is just like we're part of it. So of course it's gonna feed yeah. us in in a way. You know, now that you say that, which is what maybe it is because I'm wondering, you know, whether they're saying all these things are happening in nature. Like, where I feel like things are like I'm seeing things in a clearer way. Like, cause I feel like it's more of their playground right now. They're like, okay, it's not any cars out or planes <laughs> out, so I'm just gonna live my best life because I heard. Uh, I saw a mur- there was a murder of crows above my house the other night, and they were after a fucking hawk. You can tell that they were like, we're coming to fuck that hawk up. We're, we're, we're like, like, and it's like, yeah, look at that. I'm like, oh my, why didn't I notice that before? Because I feel like they're all like, they're just out. It's like wild kingdom out there now. They're like, this is my land. I'm doing this. Because I feel like we're not littered with planes and stuff. So they're just right. like, yeah, we're out here in these streets. Yeah, nature's reclaiming the earth. Like one of the things will be like the dolphins going back into the, you know, like going back from you know like the venice canals and then the wolves and the deer be like all right fine fuck you guys you know thanks for taking our uh thanks for taking our sweet land i I do but but that idea like something you said earlier on i think was a a really great concept was teaching people how to live a life we don't teach people how to live a life we people some people will actively seek out how to do that some people just innately know how to do that. But in general, we don't, you know, when you're in school, they don't, they're not necessarily teaching you how to live a life in a mentally no. healthy way. They're just. No, not at all. I think they're teaching people how to just produce a version of it in some way. It's funny because I think that I, I, I want to talk to you about this because this is, I'm very interested in this conversation of the way people have been, been like, let's say on Instagram or Facebook and the way they're presenting their world or, you know, I feel like it, it has to change because I feel like I feel like people are still trying to act like this, like everything that they were doing before is just so normal. The way people are like, you know, showcasing their how 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 they look and all the selfies and all that stuff. You're like, yo, nobody's got any time for that right now because people are dying. <laughs> so I don't care if you're slaying right now. It actually I don't actually don't give a shit if you're slaying the red carpet or here's an old <laughs> red carpet photo of me. Who actually gives a shit when people are, you know when yeah. people don't have what they fucking need and they have jobs and it's like, yo, you've got to chill and change go with the times right now there's no time for that 
Well, you know? I, 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 so two things about that. Well, yeah, first of all, I a thousand percent agree. I do think some of it though, is people just trying to feel normal or thinking that the people following them maybe expect them to be normal. The other side, which I think is the sadder option is they just may not know who they are without that, you know, without that kind That's of That's what I think. That's exactly what like, I think. There, there's they're being forced to sit with themselves. They don't know who that is because everything is such a performed, they're in that performance matrix, you know, this, yes. this idealized version that they may not know who the real them is, or they're just not comfortable presenting it. But now more than ever, I think it's fine to be however you are because <laughs> everyone, you know, we're just all, we're kind of all in this thing together. So that's what I think is the most useful thing. It's like the idea of showing, I think it's a great opportunity to show people. What are you really about? What do you, what do you really believe? What, what are you, what are you thinking? What, what, what do you really look like? Now I must admit, I did try to touch up this beard because I had to do something on camera, but I was gray as fuck just a few days ago. And I was like, <laughs> you know, that's actually what the fuck I look like. I usually like clean it up for TV and all, but I'm like, I'm comfortable with this, but I feel like that I, maybe I, I was fed that, you know, okay, you don't want to be too gray before it's time. I'm like, how fucking, I'm 50 years old. When is that? <laughs> but that and that's exactly, and sometimes that just comes with age and experience, you know, yeah. because you, you do get to a point where you become comfortable with yourself and then all the other stuff is just, is less important. But we do, we do operate a, you know, like a, a, a large sl- sl- sliver of our culture is based on this, you know, fake like button idea, this drug where we, yeah. where we are chasing the fake approval and opinions of other people to the extent that, you know, how much of ourselves do we sacrifice to get someone to hit that like button because we just want the endorphin rush. Yeah. So, it's, so if we pursue that too much, do we forget who we are? And yeah. because we're, 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 we're seeking everything externally and outward rather than trying to have, and it's one of the reasons why I feel so much empathy for kids growing up today uh, about uh, like, how, how do we learn how to how to value ourselves internally rather than seeking all of the external validation? And, you know, like we are addicts, we're attention addicts, yeah. culturally we're attention addicts. And so it, like m- maybe this is, maybe this is an opportunity to try to get better about some of that too. It is. It, I think it is. You know, I, I've had a couple companies kept reaching out to me on Instagram saying, Oh, you know, you should have much more followers than that. You know, we can help boost your followers and stuff like that. And I kept saying like, I actually don't really care. I said, I, I, somebody find me and they want to follow up. That's great. But I'm not seeking. I'm not thinking, oh, but you can do so much better and blah, blah, blah. You need more likes. I'm like, I said, it doesn't matter to me. Please don't. And I think because I decided to finally respond because they kept they kept going into my DMs. I'm like, all right, listen, I actually don't care about stuff like that. So you can move on. And they were like, Coleman, a month later, Coleman, we can really up your uh, your likes. I'm like, I don't care. I said, yeah. like it or not. Well, the shitty part is that our that our business does put emphasis, you know, has been putting emphasis on that. How many following before they hire people? Sometimes they'll look at how many followers they have and shit. But I don't know. Like, I am very ashamed to admit this, but like, you know, I posted, I made a little bit of pixel art of our dog, and I just posted it yesterday. uh, And uh, and I feel like before I would have actually paused to say, you know, when I post like art things. They don't get as much engagement, so maybe I'm not. No, even they don't. With that, and 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 I'm ashamed and ashamed at myself for thinking that way because 
I posted it yesterday and I went, yeah, I'm not posting. I have to remember, I'm not posting this for any, to be quantified. I'm posting right. this because I made a thing that was fun. And, and I want to so like, if other people like it, they like it. And if not, it doesn't change the fact that I'm, I made this thing for me yeah. because I was fucking around with pixel art. Yeah, yeah. See, that, and that's the thing. It's like, I know already, I'm, I'm sure I can go to my Instagram and look at anything that I've, I've just posted, like me with a plant or a garden or something I thought was sweet. Like, probably, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like five lights. And then, and then like a picture of like just me with, with Oprah or something. 200,000 likes. You're like, but wait. Well, and that, okay, so that's a brilliant example of how do we value things, right? So the Oprah thing, by the way, that is fucking awesome. But uh, <laughs> but the plant thing, you know, from a different point of view has just as much value because you're connecting. Dude, with- I feel like even more because I'm like, that's something I'm like, I'm so proud of that. I'm like, oh, look, look at my, my poppies are opening up. Isn't that beautiful? I would love if somebody, it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm like, yeah, I just put it out there because I wanted to share with people what I'm thinking and what's going on. But I'm like, I mean, I wish that that had more val- as much value as like the moment they see anything with just, if it's a, something with celebrity, always, is always like, like, like. Because also, maybe it's also their own validation. By liking that, they feel like they're close to it in some way. Or, or, you know? or also, they just, they recognize Oprah. Oh, yeah, I recognize Oprah being, you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. how sometimes people will vote for awards. Oh, I've heard of that movie. I'll vote for that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so, mm-hmm. it, it, there is a little bit of a popularity contest, but it's, 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 not, it's not so much that that happens, it's the takeaway. It's, yeah. you know... It, b- between the wrong person's ears that t- the takeaway or the unhealthy takeaway, I'll rephrase that. The unhealthy takeaway is, Oh, the plant does not have as much value as Oprah. So in the future, because I'm addicted to this engagement, I am going to post more pictures with celebrities, even if there yes. are things that I had really nothing to do with, because that will get me more attention. And you abandon the thing that might've actually been something that you made or something that yeah. was actually a piece of you, not There's just something, something you really care about that you're like, Oh, this is actually an expression of me. Yeah, exactly. And then you might come away with that subconsciously thinking I have less value because my plant is not Oprah and everything must be Oprah. And we have to remember not everything has to be Oprah. Most things aren't Oprah and most things don't need to be Oprah. You know, like that's what makes Oprah special. You know, yeah. the, the, the idea that you have value and not, you know, like not finding your own value in the external world is, is a very difficult thing to, to really absorb on, a, on an emotional and molecular level. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Important lesson. Wait, speaking of social media, because something else happened the other day, and I wonder how you feel about this. My, I had a friend who was just like, apparently, I went on Facebook and saw that I guess she was, she said I was in the bed for like three days. I was just so depressed or whatever. So I finally call her. I'm like, hey, so how, how you doing? She said, I'm doing all right. I said, uh, yeah, you're all right? She said, well, no, I was in bed for like three days. I posted it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute. You should let people know about things like that. Like, I'm not going to like, you can't get mad at me for not knowing you were, you were just fucking depressed and in bed because you put it on Facebook and I didn't see it. I said, right. that's, 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 we're, we're grownups. Didn't you, didn't you see the news flash? <laughs> 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 yeah, to- I totally, I totally understand. I mean, it is, uh, it, it, it's really, um, it's really just about focusing on taking this time to really look deep inside and figure out 
who are you? What makes you tick? What's important to you? And then trying to, I mean, listen, it's fun to post a picture of Oprah. There's, there's, it's amazing. If I had a picture with Oprah, of course I would post it. Yeah. But it's, it's also just in, in the healthy, being able to process that in a healthy way and saying, yeah, sure, that has a certain kind of value, but something that's important to me that I made that is meaningful to me also has a lot of value, not just oh, yeah. people hit a like button on it. And if they don't, then, you know, then whatever. That doesn't, just because they didn't connect with it or recognize it or think it doesn't mean that it's not important. You have right. to, you have to bring that to the table. Right. It's funny because even going back to the Oprah picture, because I'm like, it was a picture of me. I was like, I was talking about, it was uh, Martin Luther King's birthday. And I was like, oh yeah, we created this film together, this beautiful film, Selma. And here's a moment I said, I really hope, you know, you engage and watch this film tonight. I, I will, I'll watch it again too. I think it's meaningful at, at times like this. And then it was just like, ooh, Oprah's got her hand around you. Ooh, Oprah this. I'm like, whoa, that, that actually wasn't the whole point of the whole post <laughs> at all. It's like, no one responded to the actual post, you know? Right. <laughs> About the film or Martin Luther King or his legacy. It was just, yeah, of course. It was just like, oh, I recognize her, you know? And we're conditioned. But, 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 that, but I also, you know, to be fair to people who just saw Oprah, we are trying to process so much information at all times. Yeah. That sure. the idea of, of you know, the idea of really scrolling through, taking a moment to absorb, digest, see the, the, the meaning behind something to really understand it. Most people are just cramming social media in between the 50 other things that they're chasing in the course That's of true. their day. And our brains just can't process all of it. We just can't fucking, pro it's just, it's too much. It's just too yeah. fucking much. And I say this as someone who was always an early adopter of technology, always a champion of like, you know, Moore's law, more, faster, better, more, more. And now just kind of going like, well, I, I don't, I, I don't, compared to how I used to post on social media, I barely post anymore because yes. I just sort of feel like, yeah, I don't know. Like, do, does everyone need to know about this thing that I ate? Does everyone? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I So I post a lot less now because I just, I, I'm starting to just feel exhausted by the whole thing. <laughs> and now they have like TikTok, and I'm confused about it. I'm like, what the fuck is? What? No, I'm not doing TikTok. Why? Why? But everybody's doing TikTok. Saying, like, I have no idea what that is or why. So much, yeah, so much extra work. And now I'm becoming like this, cr this crotchety old man. I'm like, I'm not going to go move, get that new technology. No, that's By the it. way, if anyone would be amazing at TikTok, you would be amazing at TikTok. I don't because... know what that is. It's like, is it music? What is it? Is it, is it, is it, is it I know you can stop and pause it or something, but like... It, they're just minute-long videos, you know? Like you, that's it? It's just performance-based. It's a much more performance-based, you know, whereas like... Instagram stories is more about like check-ins and status updates and stuff. TikTok is a much more performance-based. Maybe that's why I don't love it because I'm already a performer. And I'm like, You're already you know a performer. So, you know, I'm like, no. also like, I don't know. Like, what do you need a ton of followers for? Like you do theater, you write, you direct, you produce, you do film, you do television. It's not like if you have any more followers, your <laughs> life is like the quality. It's just, nothing is really going to change for you if you're chase if you get them naturally fine but to chase them it's like it's then that's eating up the creative time that you could be writing a play or yeah. appreciating well, your you play. know you're so right because you know because it's so true because i think that i i do actively see and i feel like like we're all doing it like i'll scroll and i'll see somebody i feel like i'm like doing it 
you know, in secret, like watching somebody's Instagram, they're really obsessed with getting, you know, 800,000 followers. And you're like, why? What does that do? But they're curating it in such a great way. They're whipping them into a frenzy and making sure they get these followers. And then I guess those followers actually mean you're able to green, get some things and that will mean something. But I hope that there's a big plan in it. I hope that there's a big plan because otherwise it just feels like you're just using one more, more likes and more followers, but it actually doesn't help you do anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's just that, it's just that sort of, lizard part of our brain that thinks big numbers mean everything you know it's sort of like you know if you hear a a big number on an engine you know oh that has whatever cc's or this has you know 500 of this or a thousand of that or a million of that it's like big numbers we go whoa impressive but but really what does it actually mean and and the answer is i don't know i think I, i don't i don't i think the social media experiment is fine I, I think it paid it pays off in some ways but not all the ways that we thought it would and the metrics that i think we would innately sort of look at don't aren't necessarily meaningful in social media yeah. like more doesn't necessarily equal better it doesn't necessarily it's more um you know we're we're, we're looking at uh quantification rather than qualitative um yeah metrics. And, but that's the thing like, that's with everything too man because i, I realized like every time I walk by my closet, I almost like laugh because I'm like, I don't wear any of those clothes anymore. Like nothing. I wear, I'm in soft pants most of the day. <laughs> I'm, 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 I wear different teeth. I wear a nice shirt. As you see, I'm wearing sweatshorts with, <laughs> just to look better up here. I'm like, it's a, or nude. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> we are, we are in the facade game. We are, we are in the appearances game though. With, yeah, but with, it makes me think like, it really makes me think like, how much do I really need? Cause I have a lot of clothes and things and stuff. And I'm like, I don't really need all that stuff. I feel like I probably, I think I'm thinking of it now in the moment that I'll probably pare down. Cause I really feel like there's so much excess. And even, I don't think I'm an excessive human being, but I feel like I do have a lot of stuff in me. Like, why do I have so much stuff? Because you, know? you just acquire it and stash it away and acquire it and stash it away and then you forget about it and you forget about it and eventually, yeah. you know, you'll either purge a lot of your stuff and feel better or you'll, you know, like, or a pile of books will fall on you and kill you, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like we'll be consumed by our own stuff eventually, you know, and I say this, you've been to our house, you see we have a lot of stuff, we just... But see, but I think your stuff is like, you got the best stuff because it's like, it's stuff that makes you think and it's like, it's not just like, what is that random shit in my closet? It's just like, that is an interesting curated thing that I brought off this trip. And it does this thing that it makes the eye go a little crazy. It's like, that's what your place, your, your place is like going into like Wee's Playhouse, but it, but well, very well curated. And, and like, you know, I, like, I what is that? that? Yeah, our stuff what is, is that fair. What is, it all has some kind of meaning. I, you know, I should, I feel like I should tell people just to give them a little bit of background. You first came on the podcast right after doing a show called Fear the Walking Dead. You came on, yeah. it was like a week before our wedding, when Lenny and I were getting married, and we hit it off so well, and I said, do you want to just come to our wedding? And you came, and we've been <laughs> friends ever since. You and Raul have been on trips with us. We've spent, yes. like, it's like the, the, the level of, uh, the, the level of our friendship is something I greatly appreciate. And Liddy and I, I was just saying to Liddy the other day, like, I really miss Coleman and Raul. I hope they're doing okay. I, I oh, think they're man. in LA. I don't know where they are. But we, listen, you became a brother to me immediately. It, it, it was that thing. Is like, I'm glad we actually had that marker of a, of a podcast where we're like, this is actually where we became friends. But like, we, we got to know each other in such a, um, 
open way. You're like, ah, oh, I kind of, I like this guy. I think we should be friends. And you were like, I do too. Come to my wedding. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> and you came. That's the other and thing. I actually that, came. People like, that was your, that was, I invited you, but you showed up, you know? Yes. And then I got the dancing started at the wedding. <laughs> I was like, I'm that friend. Just so you know, I'm that guy. <laughs> talk about talk about living in the present you know one of i think the only argument that lydia and i had leading up to the to the wedding it, it was very smooth there was not and you know we were renovating our house at the same time i guess we both should have been going crazy but we weren't and it was it was just all very like oh it'll be fine everything will be fine and it was the only argument we had was lydia said i'm making everyone check their phones at the door. And I was like, you cannot do that to people. They will lose their fucking minds. You cannot take away people's phones. And she goes, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to have people experiencing the wedding through their devices, looking down, not paying attention, posting videos of our wedding. On, like, it just is weird. Yeah. I want everyone to be in the moment. And I was like, I yeah. think it's a big mistake. And boy, was I wrong because... It was the first time in probably a decade of phones that uh, everyone was checked in. Yeah. Remember the whole night we were all yeah. like present. Oh my God, this is so much fun. Everyone was talking. Yes. Socializing. It was, she was a thousand percent right. I was in. No one, no one ever had a moment to like check out and be like, oh, let me check my phone. Never. It was actually like, oh, check. You turn from that person and go, hey, so how do you know Chris and Lydia? That's exactly what I had, you know? And she sat people next to each other. It was very strategic. She tried to pair people that she thought would get along that had sort of like complementary personalities. Oh, we had the best they came table. from Tell her, thank totally you. different <laughs> careers and backgrounds. She was trying to mix everyone up in such a beautiful way. And uh, You guys did. Yeah, did and that was the first time that I think I really said, Oh, maybe technology isn't a hundred percent. Like maybe huh. there is something to kind of being in the moment and not always being on our devices. Well, you know, whenever you know, I still have to have you over here. When people come over, we usually ask them um, to leave their phone at the front. Oh, leave she'll fucking love that. Yeah, well, well, just just leave your phone right there. That's it. just like you can you you can only come back here in the front of the house to check messages or whatever, make a call. Otherwise, when you're in here, you're by the fireplace. You're out here hanging out in the backyard. We're just together. That's it. Oh my no god! Picture, I no tell her that she's going to implement that when we're allowed. I think. People I think it makes it. I think it makes sense. I think. Okay, let's go back into. Let's agree when we go back into uh, outside of this um this this very complicated time, and we're able to come back together. We got to find. Maybe you and I can help be proponents of making sure that technology is. We really figure out how we use this socially and how we really protect each other from themselves and their fucking phones. <laughs> that's the thing about innovation, though, is because it's, you know, it is, in, innovation is in part an ego pursuit, bigger, more, better, obviously, to, you know, like there are altruistic reasons why it can be good, too. I do think the smallest number of toxic people always ruin everything for everyone all the time. <laughs> but, 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 but we, didn't, we never really stopped to think, should we do this? How do we do this responsibly? And unfortunately, I think that's going to be up to Gen Z, who are growing yeah. up now, to look back and retrospectively say, oh, you know, I mean, I, I have this joke in my act about how, you know, I think we'll look at social media and technology someday the way that we look at asbestos in the, like, the 1930s. Like, Jesus Christ, they were around that all the time? Yeah, they didn't know. <laughs> you know, they thought, you know, like, we just didn't know. And right. that, I, think, 
that's what we're having to go through now is the stumbles of how do we, uh, how do we use this in a healthy way? Yeah, you're so right. Let's do it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll help, we'll help be, lead, lead some of the charge, but the, the other generation, I think, will. Maybe, maybe, we should, maybe we should try to get, maybe we should try to implement a thing where everyone has in their homes, like there's a place next to their door of just like a phone basket or like some, a place where. Dude, that's fantastic. Where people the, deposit. It, yeah. You can charge it up right there. It's a charging station, everything, but it's, it's an absolute thing where you must leave your phone there. I feel like that, that'll be a real thing. You know, and it's funny because I'll, I'll say this and I'll, I'll leave with this too. The, um, the thing about technology, I think that has brought me closer to some people during this time has been markers like this. Like I make, um, like an apple pie. We made it the other day, uh, with a friend in London. Every, every Monday we get together now. It's sort of for our sanity. We're like, we're, we're baking together. Me and my friend Titus, we bake every Monday. So we, so we bake and we're like, Oh, what are you going to bake? I'm going to do a shepherd's pie. Great. Okay. We'll get recipes for that. And we'll bake it together while catching up, you know? And then I have another friend on Sunday, Sundays at, one o'clock my time, 8 p.m. their time, they have a cocktail, we're having um, brunch, you know, we're having some food. So we, we check in, hang out as friends, whatever, and give each other that hour. I never used to structure things like that. Now it's like, oh, I have, as well as a, a, a Zoom call, a business call, I actually have a, a play date. I, I'm scheduling play dates to actually have, a t- have time with a friend in London. And they're like, I'll need to do that. Like, Chris, you and I, let's set up a half hour. Let's set up a half hour, half hour where we just talk and hang out. And that's it. Put it on, put it on a calendar like, like any of anything else that, we, that matters to us. Well, you know? I mean, I do have to say that, you know, of, you know, when you pursue, when you pursue, when you chase happiness or you pursue career stuff, like it's, you know, I don't know. I, I do think people tend to chase happiness like it's some kind of drug rather than just being yeah. happy. But... Uh, and I'm not saying I don't do that too. I'm totally guilty of it too. But, you know, when you think about all your career achievements, like you in particular have done some amazing, amazing things. I mean, you've, you know, besides being an accomplished actor, but a, a writer and a director, and, you know, you've done so many amazing things. You've worked with so many amazing people and the career accomplishments are edifying for a moment in the moment that you acquire them but they they do pass through very quickly, and then it's like, well, what's next? What's next? But I find that I've and I've discovered that I'm I'm the happiest when I have like real meaningful connections with friends. Like when we have yeah. like we went away last last summer, and you you and Raul oh. came out for a couple of days, or you know we went up to Lydia's family's ranch a couple of years ago, and you were up there. That was so fulfilling for such mm. an extended period of time. Yeah, and I wouldn't trade those moments for anything, you know, of of any of the anything that I've been fortunate enough to accomplish. Those real connections with people are mm. the ones that really stick with you and make you feel a part of. Something. And we want, and we desire that. I think we we desire that even more so right now. I feel honestly, I feel like I know I've been missing those. That's why I've been sort of highlighting in those moments in my mind. I'm like, oh, that was a good time. I want I want that again. Where it's like, hey, all we're doing is being together. That's yeah. it. There's no, there's no real goal. It's not for anything. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing actually happening. All you're having is breakfast, lunch, and dinner and hanging out with people that it's you care about. It's for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Exactly. exactly. To connect. But my God, I mean, it just, I mean, I do have to say, I apologize to you about this before. I am so angry with myself and disappointed that we missed Lights Out when it was in Los Angeles mm, because... 
that I, I was actually, I was walking the dog the other night and I had a real moment of, I felt bad about it all over again because Aww. I was disappointed as a friend. I, I was like, God damn it. Coleman made this amazing Nat King Cole story. It got rave, you know, whether or not it got rave reviews, which it did. It was a thing that you made and I should have been there. And it just was like, oh yeah, no, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. Wait, wait, what do you mean it's closed? You know, like <laughs> those things where I got so caught up in just work and other stuff that I just, I didn't pay attention. And I, I'm so humbly Aww. apologetic about that because I really feel like I let you down as a friend. I should have been there for you. And I, I'm, I will, I really hope you're able to do it again, but I, I just felt bad about that again the other day. I was like, Oh man, thanks. Chris. I, I, first of all, first of all, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. I mean, like, I like, it's funny cause I always, even when I'm in, when I invite friends uh, to, it's it's funny. It is a thing where it's like I invite people because I'm making friends and all. I'm like, yeah, come see this thing. But I understand. I understand how people's lives are and they're busy and whatever. And they can figure it out. But also, just know that I know that your heart and your intention, you want it to be there. So that that means the world to me. And I and I do think that like it it, it is it is something. It will come back. I will tell you, it will come back. We we are trying to set Good. it up for Broadway and. Um, and actually, you know what? I have a, a little B-roll that I may slip you of, of the show. You may want to see it. But um, it's something that was very dear to my heart and special. And I think that, um, and yeah, I, I look forward to you seeing it. I look forward to you seeing it. I really do. Thank but you. But you've always, you seem to have always pursued things that are meaningful to you, that have, that are a part of who you are, or a part of something that influenced you, or that are something that is, incredibly um socially profound things that really you know like i don't see you as someone who just pursues work i see you as someone who pursues you know new meaningful things opportunities that speak to you in some way and that's um that's not something that 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 can be something that people don't figure out until much later on in life but it feels like you've been doing that for a really long time you know what, Chris? I'm, I have. Thanks, man. You know what it is? I think that I started out in my career in my early 20s, I, I think sort of with that sense of purpose of what I think the power of what we do, how we can make a difference in some way, and how we can entertain, how we can educate. I started out in like, you know, uh, you know, theater for young audiences. So I already have, it was purpose built, you know? And so I think that that, as a young actor, so that, that influenced me and in, I think everything that I do. So it does make sense now that I can look at my career of like 30 years where I'm like, Oh yeah, the things that I've been doing make sense that, I, that I'm a part of things that hopefully make some change in the world. And I feel like now that we just formed a, a production company uh, called Edith Productions, named after my mama. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, it's part of the, that my deal with AMC that I'm, I'm actually really even being even more thoughtful about exactly what I do, what I think we can do and shift in the landscape of television uh, representation uh, for, uh, women and people of color. I feel all the, all the stories that we can really tell. I feel like I feel like I just want to take honestly. I feel like examples of my own life and my own existence in the people that I know and relationships that I have, and I want to see that because I think I live in a pretty cool world with very d diverse people with different points of view, and I feel like um, there's great story there, and that's what I really care about. So yeah, so I do write th the things that I create because honestly, I think as you know. Anything that you love and you're creating and, and your name is on it, 
and you're giving your heart and soul to it. You want it to be, to feel like a part of you. I feel like you want to be able to look back in your career and feel like, yeah, that's a part of me. That's my questions about our humanity. That's my questions about how do we make people laugh? How do we make people cry? And whatever it is. And everything doesn't have to be like, feel like it's super important, but it does feel like it's making a difference in some way. You know, like I just, I, I'm, I'm actually going to do this show. I'm doing this show for AMC and it's called um, uh, Bottomless Brunch at Coleman's. And, and the intention of that, it's funny, the intention of it is I, I was developing a show, a cocktail culture show uh, for the network. And so we, we've been in development of that. And since we've been at home, sort of, I was like, well, what's actually important? I think, I think it'd be great to bring people to my house for brunch. I don't usually let people over at my house. I've always had sort of a, a little distance and not letting people, f- uh, letting people know who I am, yes, and what I care about. But other things are very important to me, like my home, like my relationship, like my friends. And then I thought, this is actually an opportunity right now in the world to open up a little bit more. So I wanted to actually have people come to my house. And what the show was like, people come in, come in virtually and we have brunch and I invite a couple friends I just shot my first episode with Niecy Nash and Mo Collins. Oh, I said great. I want to start off with some, yeah, I said I want to start off with some funny women and have them over. And then uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have guests like my friend Common, uh, and Nicholas Braun is gonna do it, and Riley Keough, and directors like Janessa Bravo, incredible people like Chris Hardwick, he doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hey, that guy'll do it. He'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I think. It, right now, here's an opportunity. I'm like, okay, now that I have a platform of like creating content for my own company, what do I want to do? Again, I have to examine that again. What do I think matters? Like what I do in the theater. And I think like things that bring us closer together and we can have a laugh, we can make a cocktail and then we just have, it's actually just fun. I mean, I'm playing like show and tell games, shit like that. It's just really silly. It's like, have, it's like letting you come over, like get, giving you an idea of what will happen when you come to my house. Yeah. which is usually I've got good music going, great cocktails, and it's silly and fun, and I want people to get to know each other. So I usually my pairings are people that think, oh, they should know each other. And then, like, I get out of the way. So I'm like, well, oh, Nisi and Mo, I want you to know each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. being a connector in that way is, is, really, is really great. And, and this yeah. idea of, as, as, you were, as you were explaining, you know, the, the work that you've done and the things that you pursue, I just sort of had this vision, this idea of, like, oh, well, so – you know, in our lives. And like you said, not everything has to be of the utmost importance. Some things can be fun and frivolous and don't have to mean everything, but there is a balance. But ultimately at the end of the day, when you look back, you know, have you left a breadcrumb trail of who you are along Mm. the way? Everything has that little, you know, and some things are going to have more weight to them and some things are going to be just sillier and more fun but that's because that's how people are you know like that's who we are and so rather than just working to work it's all of these things you know when you look back or all do all these things say who about anything about who I am could you if you put them all together at the end of my life would you go I got a sense of who this person was and what they cared about because I I put all their stuff on a on a on a corkboard and was able to see it and it all makes sense. And this is who they were. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that, I think ultimately that's what we all want. I think, well, and when we really stop and really think about it, you're like, Oh, I would love people to, to leave. If I leave, if I can leave, hopefully I'll, I mean, I want to live for a very long time, but I want to leave a very indelible imprint on who we are 
uh, whether it's archiving the way we laugh, the way we dance, the way we told jokes and stuff like that. I feel like I'm very conscious of that, that I, I would like to leave, like to leave some remnants of that for future generations. Cause I'm, cause I'm also a history buff. I'm, I love learning about what they did and, Pompeii and how they ate and left and danced and played yeah. the lute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, it all, you know, again, with the Kenny Rogers thing, what blew me away about it is that, you know, cause he passed away a month, about a month ago mm-hmm. and he was 81 and you just, very few people are ever going to accomplish more than that guy accomplished. I mean, it's crazy. You know, not to turn this into the Kenny Rogers podcast, but I was <laughs> 25 number one hits. And the stuff that, like, he wrote a song with Lionel Richie that was number one on the country chart, the pop chart, and the R&B chart, all together, simultaneously. And at the end of the day, you know, like, it's it's still, it all ends up the same, you know what I mean? Like, we all end up the same, so whether or not you accomplish that, or whether or not you, are you being fed, are you being happy, are you... Do you feel like you're contributing in a way? Because no matter how many big things you chase just for big things sake, it's not going to have the value that you think it might have. So I do think it's important to stop and ask yourself, you know, is it meaningful to you? Do you care about this thing? How, you know, you feel like you're contributing or whatever. I I don't know. It just, I, I, I really do hope that all of this nets out that way that we're, that we're able to stay reflective you know, for a little longer than we normally are after, you know, something tragic happens. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I feel like the, the time that it's been taking now for us to, to, cause I feel like I've gone, I'm over the hump right now. I think like the first month I was kind of like, you know, a little quiet. Then I started to come out of it, started to get more organized. And now I feel like, and then I had one week where I was just like, oh, fuck everything. I'm tired. I want to go, ah! I want to scream. And now I feel like, oh, there's some odd normalcy to all of this. And I will just have to be in this for however long it's going to be and trust that, you know, on the other side, um, this will be a part of it, you know? So just as someone who for so long has been able to know, know know who you are, have a strong sense of who you are and be able to express that in your art and your work, do you have advice for people who are like, fuck, I sit with myself. I don't know who I am. I don't know what questions to ask. I don't know what I want. Like, how do I connect with that? I always tell people, honestly, I realized one thing. Raul, my husband, he has said to me, actually, he said, um, cause he knows that I have, I have hours now in my office where I'm talking, not only talking to people and doing business work, but I'm also in a strange way, not strange way. I don't, don't want to say that. People call me a lot because they, they have questions. They want to know how they move forward. They're, they're wrestling with things. And, and I, I, he's like, he's, he's like, Coleman, and I said, I said, sometimes a little exhausted. He said, but Coleman, that's what people depend on you for. You help people see themselves in a different way. And I was like, do I? He said, he said, that's a, he said it's a gift that you have. That's why people call you. They call you when they, they're searching for answers. I got a friend the other day who's so frustrated in New York. This will, this will help answer the question. He said just yesterday, he was, um, he's so tired. He works for Homeland Security and he's questioning everything. He lives in, in, in Harlem and he's just like, he was, you could just tell he was exhausted. And, but I know that he hadn't been happy for a long time. And I'm, I'm, I'm an observer. I watch everything. I may not give it 
give advice until you ask for it. And so we talked about him really doing the work, the hard work to actually be honest with yourself and say that I, this is a result of my not having faith that I could be an artist. I chose this profession working for this, um, for this company, Homeland Security or whatever. I chose this out of necessity and feeling like I needed benefits. I'm smart. I can do this work, but it didn't feed his soul. And so, but then also I had to help, help shed a light. I'm like, well, what he's doing is so helpful to so many, but for him to see it as a success, I'm like, you, you have, I feel like success, if you're looking outside of yourself, you'll never find out who you are. You're looking, you're measuring yourself against everybody. I feel like the only way that I could do anything that I've been doing is that I always had to look inward because outside of myself, I didn't, I couldn't really, I tried for a while. I was like, oh, I'm not like that dude. I'm not like that dude. I'm like, I'm me and I'm, I'm weird and I'm awkward and I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. And, you know, I, 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 I figure things out. I write my own way. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to write like anybody else. I'm not trying to act like anybody else. I'm not trying to direct like anybody else. I'm trying to take in all the things that I get from the world and then having questions on how do I do it? What makes me feel good? And I think those are the honest questions that, which is why I think I do know myself. And I think that's the only way I could actually, I have been successful because I know myself. That's the, and that's the, that's an honest equation. That's, um, and I know that because I think that when I was trying to be fit into a mold or be something else or what I thought they wanted me to be, it never worked. I never booked. I never created certain things weren't happening until I said, this is who I am fully and without any, what everything coming from the inner city, coming, being gay, being black, being, you know, being smart to, to, to be okay with being smart. It's, a, <laughs> you know, that, that's a lot too. Cause sometimes people want you to dumb your shit down. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> you know? So uh, I think the more that you just ask yourself the hard questions and, and I think a lot of times I was telling my friend again, I said about his environment. I said, are you happy in your environment where you live, where you wake up, what you see? And he was like, no. I said, that has a lot to do with it because it's a reflection of you. I know when, if, if you look around here, everywhere I look, to be honest, in my house, makes me happy. I can look at there and I see there's nothing that's frustrating me except a little bit of those wires right there that I have to get. <laughs> that's the only thing where i'm like that doesn't fit it's so i pushed it it's behind a chair but everything else i feel like it starts with making sure you're everything that is you want to be a reflection of you and you have to try many things to get there it's like you know i have sunflowers here i mean i feel like i consistently i want to make sure i have flowers here at my desk because it makes me look at nature and be a part of the world and i can see things growing I think there's images of books and all, it's only inspiration in here in my office. And I feel like it's all things that I think I have questions about, I'm interested in, there's art, there's music, you name it. But I think that's the way you do that work first. And then that is what you put out into the world. But I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be wrestled with all those questions. You gotta fill it up. You gotta fill up all of that with so much, with history, with news, with uh, anything you want that, that you have questions about or make you feel good. And then I think that's how you, you, find, you start to find some answers. And, and the universe will also tell you, oh, go in that direction. That's the way you go. You go, and you know, it's been said before, but it's true. Like you go where the love is, you know? You, you, <laughs> after a while, you figure that out and you go where the love is, true. Yeah, but, that, but there's a lot of intention in what you set up too. Even just, I mean, I can see your office and I see all the books and I see everything. You planned, you put those things there. And I think sometimes 
you know, people just sort of let life drag them around in, in whatever direction. And then part of their dissatisfaction is the fact that they feel like they had no part in it, that they, that they didn't have any control over. Like your friend probably feels like, now, granted, he did make choices and or micro choices. But, but he did, but he, at first, before I brought it to him, that he made those choices. He didn't, he thought it was the universe. He said, I don't understand why these things are happening to me. And so <laughs> I said, well, actually, you have to first understand that you did it. It's, it's like, it's like one of the first steps, right? Like with, with 12 steps, that, that you have to first admit that actually you, you, you are responsible for it. And also looking on the other side of the fence, you know, to see that the grass is greener is dangerous because, so if he's looking at the side of the fence, I don't know what it is that he wanted to do. Do you want to be an actor? Or do you want to be a performer? Yes, an, actor, okay. an actor. Let's say, so he's looking at the other side of the fence and he sees the acting side of the fence is a lot greener. He's romanticizing that because he's not happy where it is, where he is. But the thing that doesn't change with the greener grass is you. You are the same on both sides of the fence. And if Absolutely. you are not happy with you, then you're not going to be happier doing that other thing than the current thing that you're doing and you still don't know if it would have been better for you. You know what I mean? Like it, you still have to do that work. And I say this as someone who is not an expert at it. I'm just, it's easy to talk about it in broad terms than to actually apply it. But I just mean you, you are you no matter what, how green the grass is. And if you're not yeah. happy now, that means that that external circumstance, you might've found something to not be happy about that with then you'd really be fucked because you'd be like, am I broken? This was supposed to make me happy and it didn't. So you gotta, you yeah. gotta be okay with you. Absolutely. And ask and those get, hard questions and do that hard work that is a lot. And then on top of it, I'm gonna add this little thing. I think that there's something very similar with you and I, Chris. We both have hearts of a clown. <laughs> because Maybe We almost have the same that, birthday. We, I know, right? <laughs> November 23rd to November 28th. Exactly. Maybe that's and it. But the heart of a clown, Chris, as we know, like the clowns in Shakespeare are the most, they're the most, uh, they're the smartest people in Shakespeare. They're the philosophers as well. But also uh, the thing that I learned, I actually did clowning when I was in my early 20s. And Amazing. For the story. But uh, the heart of a clown is they leave with their heart. They're, they're willing to fail. They're willing to like say, I don't know. And they go with it. They're not so cerebral and thinking heady and say, well, I'm not sure if that's the right way. Oh, let me stop. Let me stop myself from doing that. They lead with pure heart. And that's the way they get better. That's why they know so much too. But they because, also, but they're observers though, because they, yes. because clowns sort of express very basic ideas. Of, yes. You know, and every culture has like different types of clowns. Yeah, because exactly. The, sort the of, clown. <laughs> that sort of basic social conversation is something that they're expressing. And mm -hmm. so they, to a degree, they have to have an awareness about what's going on and an awareness of themselves to figure out how to express that. So, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I suppose... Yeah. I suppose we do have some fucking clown hearts over here. I don't <laughs> we do. I think we do. I think that's why we. I think that's why we do what we do. We we lead. We lead with that curiosity that's constantly having us go left and right and just say, "I'll try that thing." You, you know. know I, I I think I think your I think your pursuit might have been more noble than mine. I think mine really was initially, sure. and I'm really coming to terms with this as I'm getting older. Like, I think for me, it really was the pursuit of attention was. I grew really? up on stand-up comedy albums. Uh, you know, my parents would let me perform like Steve Martin routines for their friends. And I learned that, you know, and as a very nerdy kid, I could be funny and get attention in school when I would have, you know, in times when I was 
socially ostracized, but it was a way to sort of cut through all the other regular kid shit because I didn't relate to them. But for me, a lot of it was about attention. And I feel like a lot of my early comedy and a lot of early stuff was kind of in a, like early, earlier on was a little more inauthentic because I was chasing, much like social media, what I mm. thought people wanted to see. And it's only been, you know, like later in my life more that I've been like, well, who am I and what do I want and what do I like? And, mm. and so, but you just figured that out at a much younger age. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like I, I don't know weird way in a weird way I feel like well all of us I think they all say that every performer you you you're, you're needing some attention in some way but I, I for me I was like I was so sh- such a shy kid I was shy and awkward and pimply and I just know that like acting I thought was was it was a very curious thing to me it was it just felt like um an expression of storytelling because I was always in my in books my head was always in a book reading stories and Encyclopedia Brown and shit like that. And then I was like, oh, you can actually be in a story and do the story? That's cool, too. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it also kind of goes to the core idea of what I think makes someone charismatic or magnetic, even if they're faking it. But I, don't, but I think, like, truly charismatic people, you can't, you can't fake this sort of thing. When someone is very comfortable with who they are and they are happy to have you there, but don't need you. I think when, I think, you know, when you look at sweaty performances and, or or whatever, people that just sort of rub you in a weird way, it's like, oh, because there's a desperation underneath. Like they need to be liked because there's something inside that isn't whole. And so they're trying to take that from me and that feels off-putting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's the people who are able to, just feel okay with who they are. And it's like, they don't need you to lie. It's not that they're telling you to fuck off. They just don't, they're, 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 good. they're, they're like, I'm good on you liking them. And right. that's very attractive because that's something that we all, I think are so fascinated by like, how, how is that person whole? How have they figured it out? Oh my God. <laughs> like we're right. just in honey, you know, it's just like emotional. Right. honey. <laughs> That's but it's a, it, it is yeah. a, it is a tough thing to it is a tough thing to figure out. But maybe during this reflective time, people can have some space to ask those questions and at least see if they're see if they can come out of this better than you know than when they went into it. I hope so. I, I really hope so. You know, I, what's amazing is we did not talk about Fear of the Walking Dead one time, oh, uh, yeah. and that I. I don't know what AMC schedule is now. I fear was shot by the. T- we were shooting. We, we finished shooting episode eight out of sixteen, and so we actually don't know. Like I, when I tell you, I don't know anything. We don't know anything. Like in terms that's of, right like, because well, you go like November. You start in the fall. You start around Thanksgiving. Yeah, we start around the, right after Thanksgiving, and then uh, so we we just had our eighth episode shot, and then we got shut down, and so we're just kind of like. We we just don't know. I think that we're just trying to assess the way you know production's going to go and. I don't know. We don't know what any of it means. I wish I had any answer. When I tell you, somebody asked me the other day, I said, I actually have zero answers. Like, all I know is that we're all trying to stay safe, stay home, and figure it out. And I feel like the entire industry is just like, we'll figure it out. And hopefully we'll go back to work at some point. But we know that everything, a lot, so much will change. And um, because it has to. Um, and that's all we know. And I also, you know, I mean, I think one of the reasons that you breathe such great life into Strand is because he is a character that is not, um, he's, he's not confined by, uh, by 
anything else other than just who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wrestles with the most. But you can't put that guy in a box. Like everything about him, there are all these disparate things about him that could have been written in such, you know, like tired, lazy, or stereotypical ways, and they weren't. Dude, okay, thank you. But but, because also, man, man, Chris, I have also continued to make sure, and because once you are with a character for six seasons, you sort of own that character and it's with you. And so you're always sort of, you're always a nice checkpoint for a writer, a writer who may not be as um, savvy. Uh, and may just go for sort of the uh, the outline of the character, what they know. And you always have to check that and make sure we check in on that. Because I think that, like, now that I understand Strand, and Strand is a lot like me, I start to realize. And where it's like, yeah, you can't put me in a box. I, I've always refused that. And so just when you think I'm one thing, I'm another. And I'm also a complicated version of that thing. And uh, and that's what I think Strand is. I think a lazier writer, I mean... There, there was one there was one season where they were trying to give Strand a new love interest. And I thought, well, if you're going to give him a love interest, you got to make sure that this person is really built up for someone like Strand. It can't just be a puppy love. Oh, this thing. And Strand is complicated. One minute he's with uh, Abigail, you know, his, his husband. The next minute he can be with a woman. I said, you got to keep him. I said, what I love about him is that he's always he's always redefining himself based on the situation. And that's what's so strong. And I think that there's a lot of that with me as well. Like I, I can, I can be the fool one minute and I'm the philosopher the next. And I know that that's just a part of my nature. You never know what you're going to get sometimes, you know, <laughs> you know, and I think that the, also, I think that's really, I, I like the idea he's mercurial um, uh, with the way he, uh, his personality is it's like, you never know what you're going to get with Strand. And I, I think that's, you, people know what you're going to get with me. I feel like I'm pretty much, I know I'm the same person in every room. It doesn't matter. I'm like, whether I'm with Oprah or I'm with, you know, my cousins, it's like, I'm the same person. And I know that, <laughs> you know, and I think that that's actually, like you said, because I'm comfortable in my own skin and I know who I, the thing that I do know, I know who I am and, um, and, and, and to be okay with all that you are. And I think that's actually a very healthy thing. And that's the way you can operate and find happiness in the world. Because you know people these are things. a lot of things. People aren't all just yeah. one thing. People are a lot Absolutely. of things. And, yeah. I, you know, please forgive me if I ask this in a clumsy way. I mean this in the most respectful way possible. But Go for it. it's been 24 or 23 years since, you know, it was such a, a news-making thing that Ellen came out on her show. Right. Such a big... And now, you know, one of the things that I'm that I've been impressed by with Strand is that it feels just how how normal it is, how normalized it is that he's not a gay character. He is a character who who happens to be gay. Things, and he just happens <laughs> to be gay. But it's not like it, he's not. It's not his defining quality, which I think the media was so did for so long was like this is a gay character and so <laughs> right and they have to do gay things and it's always a gay narrative and everything right you're so right you're so, you're so, so am, right. I, am i am i right and so so is that a fair question to ask yes, that's, a, that's like, a fair does, does that signify that there is that there is progress yeah i think there's progress with a show like fear the walking dead and when dave erickson wrote that for that character like because in season one the first season he said, when I said Abigail, he said, Abigail, he said, he doesn't know, they didn't know who Abigail was. It could have been my daughter or ex-wife. That's what right. they're saying. Then I went to a show, showrunner meeting between seasons one and two, and they said, we've been thinking. And this is before Dave even knew that I was gay. He was just like, would you be okay if Abigail were thinking to complicate Victor even more? If Abigail was a man, I said, oh, I think it's awesome. I think it's wonderfully complicated. 
Because what I thought was, you got to understand this con man and this person who operates in the world, and then you get to know a little bit more. He's not operating from, quote unquote, from being a, a gay con man. He's, he's, he's like, he's doing these things, and now you just get to know another level of him. But that other level of him, he's never leading with it. And I think it's very, maybe it's very similar to me in my own life. It's like, I think I'm leading just with the fullness of who I am, but I'm never leading with an agenda. You know what I mean? And I feel like, and I think that's the same with Strand. So anytime I sort of, I am also the the, the gatekeeper of Strand's, um, his whole MO, I think. So anytime that, that it was skewering, trying to lead, well, it's funny. Someone tried to do, write some text for me. Um, he was writing text for me for something and puts a word in there. I'll just say, put a word like sass. Now, I think he just didn't know me super well. I'm like, why would you put sass in there? I'd never say sass. Right. I'm like, is that something that you think because you know about me that you think that I would say? I'm like, no. So I had to reeducate him in that way because I'm like, oh, he just needs some help, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't an intentional thing or anything like that. I just knew that it was like, oh, I think he's trying to get a, a cadence of the way I joke or something like that. But also I do think that sometimes it is what they, they're put, they, whether they know it or not, they're putting on something on you. And you're right. like, actually, that's just like when a kid, it's the same thing of like when I was back in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, working doing uh, theater for young audiences and I went into this very you know moneyed school and this nine-year-old comes up to me and says yo what's up dog and I'm like hi I, I don't I don't speak that way <laughs> exactly whatever whatever you see is actually not me so now so that's why I think because I've had situations like this in my life being a gay black man in the world I have to actually make sure I own the definition of who I am and I have to put that narrative out. And I think that's something like with Strand as well, that he leads with the way, what he does, not all this other stuff that people think he is. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. That's such a brilliant way to put it, because you, you know, even just hearing you say that and me saying like, well, does that signify that there's progress? And I feel like the yes, but is like, yes, there is progress. We're not there yet. But you also take the initiative to make sure that it is always being steered in the right direction. Absolutely. And that is so important, which you couldn't do if you didn't know who you were and you weren't comfortable enough knowing. There we go. Like, there we go. It all comes back around. That's it. Chris, that's exactly it. Because, I mean, you, you have no idea how many times, like, I've had to, my publicist knows, but, like, to make sure that, like, I was I was doing press for, uh, doing a press tour, um, I think for, I don't know, for whatever it was, but it could have been like Selma or something. Mm-hmm. Now I'm playing Rob Abernathy in that. And whatever critic wanted to ask me about uh, something gay about that, I'm like, wait, wait, what does it have to do with the film, the character, anything? What is it? <laughs> I don't know what, I'm not the poster child for, for that. I think it's a, I have an opinion about things politically and all that. I said, but that's not what I lead with. I lead with the art. And that's what I want to talk about. Right. Gonna, and I think, and I think, which is, I know it's unique for me in this industry that an, uh, uh, an out gay black man in this industry that I'm, I mean, I think some, a student told me recently, it was like, do you know that you're doing something that is, hasn't been done before? You're, I have wives in movies like Regina King and, and Gabriel Union, you name it. I'm never pigeonholed into playing a gay character. I, in, in, the, in the character that I am playing, who is, I like to say that he's fluid, Victor Strand. I think you can't really, you can't, you can't put, you can't just d- define him in any single way. The moment you do that, he, he goes into, he puts himself in a whole other box. He's going to drive the narrative of who he is. He will never let you allow that. And I think it's a very similar thing with me. I will always be in control of my own narrative. 
Oh, that's so fantastic. That's such a great, I mean, it just, if I was going to tattoo something on my farm, it would be always be in control of your own narrative, you know, because it, it doesn't mean that you can control the world, no. but it means that you can control how you present and how you, and the types of choices that you make and what you, you know, and if someone comes to you and says, Hey, we want you to do this and it's not part of your narrative, then you have the confidence and strength of conviction to go, I'm not going to do that. And I don't care how much money it is or how much this or how much that, that is not part of my narrative, uh, which I know because I know who I am and and I'm not going to do it. And that's, those are the choices that you make. So that at the end of your life, if someone goes, wow, he was, you know, boy, he, you know, like, boy, he got some lucky breaks. It's like, but he engineered. Yes, you can get. <laughs> he engineered, engineered those. But exactly. he engineered that luck because he yeah. made those choices and he was in those places and looking for that type of thing that formed this whole, you know, body of work that had all yeah. these different layers to it. I agree. I agree. So I do. So it is. Yes, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that is, and and that's and that's also why I, uh, why I was interested to ask because it's I I like hearing about it and I like you know trying to understand and seeing like oh yeah it's not it isn't just handed to you you have to make you have to make it happen in the way that you that is important to you and in a way that's important to you that's comfortable for you and for you to really be fully whole because I think that's that's the beauty of it to be honest. I, I love the fact that I've never had to have a coming out moment. And I feel like, and, and I'm glad that Strand never had a coming out moment either. I think he, because I think that the reality is it, these people like myself or Strand, they just are, but it's like, there's so much more than that. So they lead with all that other stuff. And then when you know the other personal stuff, that's just another, that's one other thing, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't overtake the whole person. I like the idea that it doesn't overtake the whole of my ideas or, you know, what I'm interested in or, or the, the work that I like to do. You know what I mean? It, but, it, but it's absolutely a part of it. But just and I also just want to say that the group of people that you're working with, they are all such lovely people. Garrett Dillahunt and ah, I love Elfman and yeah. Alicia and Ruben. Like it's just, everyone's just such a sweet soul, like just such a nice person. Person. They're good. I've, I've lucked out. I have really good people I work with. They're like good human beings, people who I really care about. You know, it's like, and you, listen, you know, you've been in this industry for a long time. Yeah, a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. So I'm around people. I'm around people who are like family, and we check in and we love each other, and and um, I'm blessed, man. You know, it's it, because theater is not my background. Yeah, I knew you had done a lot of theatrical stuff. And, and and I knew you've done. I know you've done very big theatrical things, but when we were at Sundance a couple of years ago, and we went out with Denai, and she was kind of nerding out about you and the album that she listened to that you were yeah. on, and I yeah. was like, oh my god! Like Coleman is really. I mean, just to hear her talk about the influence that you had on her as a performer. I don't know. It was just. It was just such a wonderful. I don't know. I was so. I was. It was so like. Holy shit! That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Oh man, I'd like it it's it's what I mean, I think you know what it is, Chris. I think because I've been doing what I've been doing, like and now it's for about 30 years, and now I have students who are like, oh my god, we go back to we watch the Spike Lee version of your musical Passing Strange, and that's influenced us as artists and all. I feel a little like, you know, I'm like I'm like Angela Lansbury now. I'm like, I'm like 
like, when did I get this old? No, no I, do, I do realize that I've done some significant things in my career, and it's and it's now influencing generations, and that feels really fucking cool. That feels cooler than anything. Yeah, because that if people are genuinely influenced by you, they are probably struck with that kind of um, authentic you. Yeah. Which then inspires them to be authentically them. I mean, yes, they, that's like, exactly. That's exactly. You, 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 there are people who will look and they'll go, "Oh, uh, I'll look at all the exterior stuff, and that's what I should copy." And it's like, no, 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 copy the part about figuring out who you are, and then be yeah, man, the best I, version of that. That that's that's the thing that if I if I get anything what, that gives me pause when anyone says, "Oh my God, I, I want your career," I'm like, "No, you don't want my career. You want your career." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like. No, you don't want Oprah's money. You want your money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Oprah's money, it's just a lot of responsibility. Nobody and... wants that. That's annoying. Nobody wants that. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, I, I really hope that we get to see each other in person soon. Uh, Man, me too. I, I don't, I mean, I imagine just like everyone else, you're just, like day to day going, well, I guess we're still here. I don't know. I guess we're not going anywhere. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. That's exactly it. Like even when they relax restrictions, I realize like, oh, if we're not going anywhere, like maybe I'll get to go have a breakfast somewhere, but we're not, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. When they relax restrictions, that, that we'll social distance and have a, we'll, 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 do, we'll figure out something either here, your place, somewhere. we'll get people together and, Practice social distancing, but be together. That'd be nice. And then the phone basket thing. Phone basket for sure. I feel yeah. like you and I should just go into. Like, we should just start making making them and selling them. The thing is, it, it ha- we like as a society, we have to somehow make it feel rude for people to have their phone. You know, like yeah, because no one wants to get looked at sideways. Like, oh, why? You know, it's sort of like yeah, like you can tell if you go to someone's house. And you're not supposed to have your shoes on, but they didn't say anything. But <laughs> just know because you see like five pairs of shoes by the door, and no one said anything. But they kind of. But that's the, but that's the clue. That's the, but that's the clue right there. They give yeah. you the clue. The shoes there. We put shoes up there. Like we want you to take your shoes off. There's two pairs of shoes there. Get the hint. <laughs> if there's a basket of phones by the front door, that's probably because they want your fucking phone in the basket. <laughs> take the fucking hint, man. Take the hint. <laughs> Maybe what it's called is called take the hint. And that's what the basket is. That's really funny. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just one like dead phone in there. Like the start, everybody gets a starter phone that's in there. That's just like hanging. Unfortunately, know? though, I'm I'm afraid like in LA, there's still going to be a lot of people who are like, well, they don't mean me. I mean, they probably mean everyone. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is me. <laughs> this is my phone. They don't mean me. No, they don't mean me. I'm an I'm an agent. I need my phone. They know that it's not me. They probably just didn't realize that it's me. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I love you to pieces. I love Ryan. Love you too, my friend. And Lydia says hi and send her my love. I hope we can. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if if you're doing Zoom get-togethers, I feel like we should do a a, a little Zoom would, together. I would love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you. You and Lydia. All right. All right. Please do. All right. Please. All right. All right. Much love, my friend. All Take right. Care. Nice. Oh wait, wait. Should we promote anything? Are we promote anything? What are we promoting? Uh, oh, oh, bottomless brunch at Coleman's starting every Sunday and while we're home. Bottomless Brunch at Coleman's on AMC. Uh, I think you'll find it on the on the Walking Dead uh, YouTube channel, the Fear of the Walking Dead YouTube channel, and I think on AMC's digital platforms, whatever that is. 
And then um, other things that'll come out later. I don't know. I've had movies and I've gotten pushed like Candyman and Zola and Candyman. Yes. Candyman. Yes. So yes, when Candyman comes out, that'll hopefully be like what is it? September, October. Go see it. Yeah, for sure. For I'm, I believe if people listen to this podcast, they probably Candyman was already on their agenda. Is my guess. Cool. Is yes, my guess. Exactly. If I already were. And then Fear the Walking Dead will be back whenever Fear the Walking Dead is back. <laughs> Everything will be back when it's back. That's when it's back. Yeah, yeah. But this will come out when it comes out. But at least this the brunch show you're doing is May 3rd, Sunday, on the Walking Dead YouTube page and on uh, Fear and all their social channels. So thank you so much, Coleman Domingo. Love you, brother. I love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.